Hi, welcome back to Tell Me About Your Job, the show where we learn the ins and outs of different professions straight from the professionals themselves. If you've ever wondered what different jobs are actually like, then you're in great company. Whether you're looking for a career change or just figuring out a college major, then this is the show for you. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Josh Nasser. Today I'm joined by Larkin Baker, who's an aircraft maintenance technician or mechanic with Delta Airlines in Colorado. Larkin, how are you doing? I'm doing a little cold, but yeah. everything's great. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that'd be a good opportunity. Yeah, for sure. So let's jump right into it. Larkin, tell me about your job. Well, on a, like a night-to-night basis, we have certain inspections that we do, and we inspect the planes and we do tests, and sometimes when there's a problem, we have to change out equipment and remove and replace equipment or troubleshoot, like the basic sum of it all. Okay, cool. So how long have you been doing it? Well, I started with Delta about a year ago. November will be a year, okay. but I graduated A&P school in September last uh, year. Okay. Cool. How did you get started with this? This seems like such a um, off the wall job. (laughs) When I was like little, I always wanted to be like an aerospace engineer. And then as I got older and older, I was like, that's a desk job. I'm (laughs) not a desk job person. I prefer working with my hands. Like, you know, like girls get like Barbies and things for Christmas. I got connects and Legos. (laughs) That's what I got. Because I was always like taking apart things, helping my dad with the car. And so when I was in high school, my dad, he was going to A&P school. He's actually making it too. And so he like showed me around and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> this is what I have to do. So you keep mentioning A&P school. Could you go into what that is? So your A&P is your airframe and power plant license. That okay. is all you need to work on an airframe and like an, a power plant, which is an engine. And so like your A&P actually doesn't have to be used for aircraft and like helicopters and stuff. You can actually use it on like windmills. Or like energy dams, you know, which is really interesting. But like an A&P school typically lasts, mine took 18 months, but one typically lasts from 18 months to two years. Okay, great. And is that something that you do right out of high school? Yes, there's actually some high schools that have a dual enrollment program. So you can take A&P classes while you're in school. Okay, cool. So break it down for me. What does an average day actually look like for you as an aircraft (laughs) mechanic? So I get in at 8.30 p.m. because I work midnights. Oh, yikes. 8.30 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. That's the typical job shift because all the work gets done at night. The airplanes oh. are flying at night. and makes so a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's cold. You have to work in the weather. So I work outside. I do line maintenance. So I work mainly on the line, but there's also like hangar maintenance. Line maintenance and hangar maintenance are like the two different kinds. But then there's like shop maintenance, but we're not going to get into that. And... <laughs> So I get in at 8.30 and I'm going in, putting on all my equipment because you have to have like a high-vis vest and you have to have your radio. And I have like a little Gerber that I carry around with me. Some guys have tool belts. And then I have my steel-toe boots and my uh, bump cap, which is like a hard hat, but it's a lot more comfortable. Okay. And like my headlight and I get some gloves and like a rag. Like that's like my go-to equipment that I always have with me. Mm-hmm. And then I go and like, I look at all the airplanes that are in and see which ones have been done by like the previous shift. Like they're not in for the turnover, but I'm still looking. And then once everyone's coming in, I'm researching MELs, which is um, minimum equipment list. 
which is like problems where they like deferred it and you can only defer so much until you have to start talking to like the big bosses about what you can defer before you can let the plane go, which is a little scary, but (laughs) just know everything's safe. Everything's been checked multiple times. Don't be afraid to fly. (laughs) But yeah, I'm like researching things, seeing if we have parts in for like different issues we have seeing if things have been troubleshooted, pulling up manuals and like fault isolation manuals and maintenance manuals and like, um, like the parts, making sure the part numbers line up with the parts we're getting. And then once we have everyone here, we always like divide into little groups. Like you always have a buddy. That's like rule number one. You're never working alone on the field just because if something happens, because it's very dangerous job. Yeah. So you're always working with someone whether like you're working downstairs and they're upstairs, but you'll always be like talking to them on the radio. Mm-hmm. And so we'll divide the like buddies and they'll be like, all right, I'm going to take this plane. You're going to take this plane. When I'm done with this plane, I'm going to work on this one that's coming in at like 1130. But before you work on the next plane, you always have to do the paperwork. <laughs> oh, man. What I've always heard in aviation is that the weight of the paperwork will always equal the weight of the plane. <laughs> that's how much paperwork put- this gets put into this. There's so much paperwork that you have to do and you have to make sure everything's done and then you go through it and whoever you're working with goes through it and the lead goes through it and then the station managers goes through it and they send it off because if something's wrong, then like the FAA will come and get you or like if a plane has an accident, then they have to track like what's been going on. Okay, cool. So it sounds like your, you know, your day to day can be a little different, I guess, depending on what planes are in and, and what problems they might be having. That's what I really like about it is the fact that you never really know what you're expecting when you get to work and it's always different. You're not stuck in like a daily like routine every single day. It's always different mm-hmm. and it's very challenging. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you have like a favorite part of the plane to work on? I have like a favorite plane. <laughs> okay, that works too. But I, my favorite plane is the A220, which is also known as the CS100. Okay. We call it the um, fake bus or the cannabis <laughs> because it's owned by Airbus, but it was actually made by Bombardier. Okay. So it's more of like a CRJ, which is made by Bombardier, than an actual Airbus, but it's completely electric. Oh, wow. Like, it's a really, really smart airplane, but it, it it's very finicky. And if you don't boot it up right or you move something while it's booting up, it'll cause a fault. But I'm very good with learning how to like fix all these things and so i'm figured out how to like go through the system and figure out what's wrong and that's why i really like it because i'm just like fix (laughs) this is the problem (laughs) (laughs) awesome what would you say is like your hardest or least favorite part about the job being a female and being very short i'm five feet tall (laughs) for the viewers out there i'm five feet tall i'm like 110 pounds i can't like reach things and Mm -hmm. I have trouble like lifting heavy things but like I know the guys that work with me are always there and then another thing is the fact that I'm still so new into the whole like line maintenance that I don't like it when I can't figure out a problem Mm -hmm. but that's like also very fun because I'm like troubleshooting and troubleshooting and troubleshooting and I'm like I have no idea what it is it could be (laughs) this it could be this it could be this I gotta run wires I don't know. It sucks, but it's fun. 
because it means I have a lot more to go. And I mean, I've worked with guys who've been in aviation for 50 years and they're saying you constantly are learning. There's new equipment, there's new problems. You're constantly learning new stuff. Yeah, I think that can make for a really fun job, right? Because you know that there's so much for you to learn, so much so much more for you to do, so you're not going to get bored. Yeah, it's it's very fun. And the guys that I work with are like, just you wait. You're going to blink of an eye and it'll be 20 years. <laughs> like, it's so exciting because then you're like, you'll have the newbies and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I've had this problem before. It's going to be this. Like, you don't think it's this, but it's this. And I'm just like, I can't wait till I get to that point. Like the wise old guru. <laughs> Like we were talking about before, it's kind of an off-the-wall job. You probably don't hear a lot about it. So yeah. What's something that surprised you about it once you actually got in and, you know, started working? Um, how many people actually, like, paid a ton of money to go to, like, real? I don't want to say real college, but, like, went through, like, four years of college and mm-hmm. then went to A&P school for this. Yeah. Because I worked with a guy who went to MTSU and spent four years in college and has tons and tons and tons and tons of student loans. And I'm like, I went to Tennessee College of Applied Technology in Memphis, where Tennessee scholarships paid for all my school. And like, it was really good. And it totally took 18 months. And now I'm out of school and I'm making all the money on my own. No student loans. Mm-hmm. Took 18 months. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, you can have two babies in that time. Like that's not <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, And brings up a good point that I feel like a lot of people go to a traditional four year school thinking that's what they're supposed to do, or that's what's going to set them up for success. But I think you bring up a really good point that not only, you know, were you in school for a very short period of time, coming out with a lot less money and loans, but potentially you're actually able to get into a field that you're going to enjoy a lot more than you would have getting out of a four year school. Yeah, trade schools are very underrated in this, like, the way society sees it, because they're like, oh, trade school. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just from the older generations and things so, like you have, you have to go to college, you have to get a degree, you're a very nice man, blah, 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 you know, but I'm like, there's so many jobs in trade schools that are actually like electrician and aircraft maintenance and like tons of things that don't require a lot of time that you get a lot of money out of and a lot of states have like the scholarships that pay for two years of school Mm -hmm. have you received like a lot of flack from people for not going for a traditional four-year degree oh yes (laughs) and then like when i was going through school they were like why are you getting a blue collar job and not a white collar job and i just didn't listen to them i was like this is what i'm passionate about like, this is what I love doing, and I'm not going to be a desk job. That's just not who I am. Yeah. I don't like sitting behind a desk and having to do the same things day, day in and day out. And then I cut out of school, and I got hired on Delta, and they were like, oh, this is so great. And I was like, you were, you were like, not supporting me, like, a year and a half ago. Like, <laughs> and now I'm this, and then you're still, like, not taking back what you said about trade schools. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just how some people are. Definitely. It can be really easy to tell somebody how to live their life when you're not the one living it. Exactly. Okay. What are some qualities that someone could find in themselves that you would say would make them well-suited to work as an aircraft mechanic? I would say a lot of the people that I work with and a lot of people I went through school with, the ones that popped out to me were very mechanically inclined. Mm -hmm. Because if if you can't turn a wrench, (laughs) (laughs) like... 
because I know like my mothers and my sisters, anytime I get out of town, they're like, hey, can you fix my car? And I was like, <laughs> okay, you have to be very mechanically inclined. I mean, it's not hard to pick up at all. Mm-hmm. You just have to know like what tool to use. Yeah. And a lot of it also is like wanting to learn and wanting to jump on a project that you don't know how to do, but you're willing to put in the time and the effort to like look up the maintenance manual and get all, get all the parts and get all the tools and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of people surprisingly don't do that. <laughs> They're just like, what do I do next? I was like, well, here's like the problem. Mm-hmm. Why don't you like go look up where we're at? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's something you see in a lot of professions is you have some people who really enjoy it and really enjoy learning and, you know, getting better at what it is that they do. And then other people that do it because it's a job and they just want to do it the easiest way possible and the fastest way possible. Yeah. And with my type of job, that's not the safest thing. You have to be very careful of making sure that you have like every little end and nut and bolt put together and put on. Mm-hmm. and like all your ends tied up make sure you have no tools left in wherever you're working <laughs> and then like all the paperwork and stuff so, like it's a very exhausting job working and stuff but for me it's really satisfying like yeah. it's very satisfying to see the airplanes go out in the mornings and stuff like that and just being like i worked on that <laughs> <laughs> i bet that plane is out because of me <laughs> <laughs> yeah that brings up a good point though does it ever overwhelm you at all that you know, so many people's lives are essentially in your hands because you're working on such a, like a critical system? Sometimes. I mean, there are some instances where you get faced with the dilemma and some mechanics are telling you like, hey, just do this. Like, cause they're old school and they're like, hey, just do this. It'll be fine. And other guys are like, hey, you know, maybe we should down the plane. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you get like pushed into very things. And a lot of it is very much like your morals and what like you're able to go home and sleep about at night. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stuff I'm like, no, like we're doing this. We are downing the plane. We're finding the part because I'm not letting it go like that. But I mean, a lot of people double check behind you. And a lot of stuff isn't as, like with engines, I don't mess around with the engines. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not skipping on anything. I'm not doing any of that. That's good to hear. I'm very double checking around the engines because they're very important. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, hey, if it's like a screw that goes to like the back of the trash bin, that's not going to down the plane. Mm -hmm. I'm not worrying about that. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, like you were saying earlier, that's something too that can come a little bit more with more experience is knowing those things that are super critical and those that maybe are not as much um, yeah. to be able to make those critical decisions. Yeah, because I know some people will be like, oh, this problem, this problem. And the other like old school will be like, dude, chill. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> you breathe. It's fine. Divert. Don't worry about it right now. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that, you know, you work that overnight shift what is the work-life balance like as a as an aircraft mechanic oh man (laughs) (laughs) i hit a nerve it sounds like (laughs) i i know a lot of people who work night shifts because i mean maintenance isn't really a night shift job Mm -hmm. there's lots of jobs that are night shift and it makes your daily life a lot harder because like when i'm working right now i work three days a week right now because we're on due schedule because COVID. So I work three days. So like those three days that I work, I spend the whole day sleeping because I wake up so many times throughout the day Mm -hmm. and just like 
how to go walk the dog and how to like go and shower and do this or do that. Or someone's just being loud because people are actually awake. And so this whole three days I'm sleeping and then I'll like work my last day and then I'll try and stay up all day before so I can actually get back on a normal schedule to actually like spend time with people. Mm-hmm. And then I have to stay up all day and night and then sleep all day <laughs> the next day to get back on another schedule. It's, it's fun. It's yeah. very difficult. Because, like, my dad works maintenance shift, and he works nights. And so whenever we're together, we're just like, yeah, night shift. <laughs> Don't have to change your schedules. <laughs> yeah, because that sounds pretty tough. I honestly cannot personally imagine working a night shift. I feel like that would be an extreme change of pace and change of thinking about how you go about your life. Yeah, I mean, I start struggling a lot around, like, 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. But 4 a.m., like, you'll get stuff to do. Like, you find ways to make yourself busy. And I've always been much more of a night person than a morning person. Like, if you stick me on morning shift, I'm screwed. I cannot wake up at all for, like, a 6 a.m. shift. That's, I can't do it. But, like, I can do midnights a lot easier than I could mornings. Yeah. But sometimes, because there's a lot of older people with families and stuff, and they just, they like doing it because of the maintenance, and they've been so used to it over the years of working mm-hmm. midnights. Yeah. It's definitely a lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. Are there many maintenance workers that work during the day? Is that a possibility? So our schedules are based on your seniority. So Mm -hmm. all the people who are on on like days are the oldest in the, like the oldest in our station. Like days is something that you want, but you're never going to get unless you've been there for 40 years. Yeah. Does the job look a lot different if you're working in the day versus working at night because the planes are going out? It's a lot slower. You'll have like a plane that'll come in, just like a through flight. You'll have it come in and like all the people get off and stuff. And you'll go and you'll do your walk around and you'll go and like check the oils, check the tires, talk to the pilots, make sure nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you know, go go to the next one. Okay. Like it's like a 30 minute at each plane, just jumping and jumping. And then and sometimes you'll have like three hours of no planes coming in and you're like, oh, extended lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's not very fast paced, Mm -hmm. but whenever there's a plane that's broken, that's the fast paced part. Because then you're like, oh, got to get out, got to get out. Like, what's the problem? What's the problem? We got to get fast fixed. We got to get this plane out. Got to MEL it. Like, do we have a part? We have to get the plane out so they don't cancel the flight. Mm -hmm. But like with that, you can't be fast and not careful and efficient and making sure like this is the safest route to take. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a balance between fast and good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so you mentioned that, you know, the day shift is reserved for those with seniority. What does kind of the future look like for you along this path, either as, you know, an aircraft mechanic or outside of this? I plan on staying in aviation for a long time, but mm-hmm. I could jump around a lot where I could jump from like line maintenance to hangar maintenance in Salt Lake where you actually have the plane in for like a week and you break the whole thing down and you're changing landing gear and you're changing like the flight controls Mm. where hangar maintenance is a a lot more into the airplane and taking everything apart type maintenance and then you could uh because delta's main base is in atlanta so that's where all of our hangars like shop maintenance is so i could go to move to atlanta I mean, it's going to take a few years before that. (laughs) All of the oldest mechanics are in the shops, but the shop maintenance is where you're actually like putting together the engines or putting together the landing gear. 
And that's very interesting to me, is actually like putting together all the little blades in the turbine wheels and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It's very precision based. Or you could go and you could be MCC, which is maintenance control. And okay. so for all of us people on line maintenance, if we don't have a problem that we can't find, like figure out, or we have a MEL that requires we have to talk to MCC, like if we have to take out one of the generators, which produces the electricity from the engines, which is an MCC, like you have to talk to them and call them like, okay, has this been fixed yet? Like, is this working? Is this working? Is this working? And they'll be like, all right, approved. Click. <laughs> and so a lot of times MCC are the people who've been in aviation for a long time and know a lot about everything and can help you get blades out. So there's definitely ways to say in this in the same line of work, but still move up and move forward. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. If you get bored of like doing line maintenance or working midnights and stuff, you could go to hangar maintenance or shop maintenance or MCC or there's a lot of stuff or inspectors. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cool. There's a lot of things you can do. You're not just stuck working outside in the cold at night. like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good to know for anybody out there who um, <laughs> is not a cold weather person. You know? <laughs> okay, so there are definitely ways for you to move up and stuff. But, you know, as someone who's kind of just starting out and even looking for the future, how much can someone really expect to make as an aircraft technician? Well, this is like what really surprised me coming out of 18 months of school. That's completely paid for. When you start out, you typically start out at a regional company, which would be like PSA, which is under American, or Envoy, which is under Delta, or like okay. those little companies who have like the lawn darts, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like CRJs and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for those, you typically start around like $20 an hour, like okay. between like 17 and 22. And you could stay there for like, five years or so and you top out around like 33 ish mm -hmm. like those uh regional places are where you just want to build experience because a lot of the actual mainline you know like delta american fedex they require you have three years of experience mm -hmm. but okay. the main lines typically start you out around 30 dollars an hour okay and for delta it takes seven and a half years before you top out at a about $58 an hour. I know it's 110 a year without overtime or holidays or anything. Okay. And cool. then you can become a lead and that's more money. The amount of school that you have compared to the amount of money that you make even out of school like a regional airline is ridiculous, that ratio. Yeah, for sure. Because you're, like you said, you're coming out of school with little to no debt because of the price of it and you're jumping mm -hmm. right in at a, at a very manageable salary. So yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for breaking that down. As we get ready to close, if you were talking to a high schooler or even a college student or adult, you know, who's listening to this episode and is thinking, hey, that sounds really interesting and something that I would maybe want to do. What would you tell them to do as their first steps? Um, find your nearest A&P school first, because I know the one I went to had a like two year waiting list. Oh, wow. So you got to start getting that ball rolling. <laughs> and then... Start working with your hands more, getting used to tools and stuff, because a lot of the stuff that you do in school is very, like, my school had a lot of engines and things where we're taking off parts and putting parts back on and take off the landing gear, put landing gear back on. Those are you're great on. And it's better for you to be more comfortable with the tools before you come to that than, like, 
jumping in and being like, hey, what does this wrench do? <laughs> you know, and buy tools. <laughs> tools. Good tools, too. All the tools. Yeah. I buy tools like women buy shoes. I can never have enough tools. <laughs> I will always get more. Do you buy shoes, too? I have, like, four pairs of shoes. But, man, I have, like, three boxes of tools. <laughs> They're so nice. Well, that I mean, that's fair. You know, we all, we've all got a hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Larkin, do you have anything else you'd like to close out by saying? I love my job. I never don't want to go to work. I'm always excited to go to work. I love working on airplanes. It's mm -hmm. very fun. And if you choose to go in this field, I don't think you'll regret it. Honestly, it's a lot of fun. You'll never get bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Larkin, thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, it was awesome getting to hear about it and learn something new. Yeah. Well, you have a good one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, check out some of our others, share with your friends, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. As always, catch you guys later.